You are listening to the Chasing PRs podcast. And if you are a runner over 40 years old, you need to listen to this episode. Stay tuned. Hi, we are your hosts, Rochelle Weeks and Diego Alcubierre. And with over 20 years of combined experience in coaching and physiotherapy, we created this podcast to help everyday runners who want to make the most out of their training and achieve new personal records while managing work, family, and life outside running. Welcome. Hello, runners. How are you? I am Diego. I'm Rochelle. Welcome to the Chasing PRs podcast. So. Today, we're talking about uh, masters running. I like this. <laughs> I, me too, because I think, well, you, you're 40. I'm officially masters runner, 41. Yes, 41. Is 35 plus masters or is it 40 plus? Depends on the race, I think. In okay. some places, it's 40. For, for example, for the World Marathon Championships that they about the six mayors now yeah. have their championship, uh, you need to be. 40 plus. Okay. Sometimes okay. in like in track and field, it's like 35. So, yeah, I've seen 35. Yeah. I'm 37. So I'm like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're ma your masters in track and field, maybe not in road running. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, when we look at the podcast statistics, like more than 60% of our listeners are female masters runners. Oh, interesting. Like another 20% are male masters runners. Point is like eighty percent of our listeners, it's in the masters runners category. Yeah. So I think this episode was way over. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, let's start talking about our weeks really quickly. I have something, some interesting things to to share about my week specifically. Uh, but um, let's start with you. How's the injury going? It, I think it's like ninety five percent better. Okay. Speaking of ma being a master's runner, like I'm not yeah. there yet. I said I'm 37. I'm pretty sure I'm 36. I just realized. But anyway, <laughs> I take a long time to get over injuries now. Like when I was in my early 20s, I'd get a little niggle and take a day off and then be fine. Yeah. This time I took like six days off and then I ran and I could feel it. So I took another two days off, ran and I could feel it. But now finally, like and I'm talking like 615 pace, 5K, flat, easy, lots of breaks. Like I wasn't being stupid and going and running 20K or anything. Um, but it's finally starting to settle. Okay. So I think I'm going to try to get a little bit back on track with mileage. I go to Wales this week, so we'll see um, if that works. I'm hoping to do a good bit of running and hiking while I'm there. So it'll be like a mixed bag, but it's feeling better. Yeah. And do you think doing those easy 5Ks help with recovery? and helps with your overall like training strategy. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like this, I'm not saying they, they are, but they feel like a waste of time. Sometimes going for a 5k at six minutes per kilometer when you are running a minute faster. So it's how... better than not running. Okay. Yeah. I had this conversation with one of the K to J runners the other day because he's got a, an injury and he was thinking I might just take a month off or I might take three weeks off, but Running injuries, if you can run without flaring them up the next day, it's better to run. Okay. So tendons, muscles, unless it's a stress fracture, they all do better with a little bit of running as long as it's not flared the next day. So tendons and muscles don't do best with just resting. 
But I did that 5K at 6.15 and then I felt my hamstring a bit the next day. So I'm glad I didn't go faster or further. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it helps with just how your muscles and tendons are used to the load. So Mm -hmm. if you give them one month off, maybe when you come back, you have like a higher chance of injuring something Mm -hmm. else. So in this way, you you keep your all your systems with a little stress and just ready to to run when you are when you're ready to go back. Yeah, and it's not super new. And I think sometimes people think, well, I'm running so slow. Is this a waste of time? Should I even be out here? Um, I always think of this guy that I've met in the Ottawa running community who I really admire, Andrew, and he's a he's a two fifty something marathoner. Yeah, and if you follow him on Strava, his easy runs are all six something. Okay. Like he's out there long runs, shorter. Now he'll do, you know, race pace stuff in his long runs towards the end. But a lot of his mileage is super chill and slow. And then he'll go do a 17 minute 5K and a 250 something marathon. Like it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And it's yeah. interesting to see always different kinds of training mm-hmm. because I know, I know him and he's very similar to me in times. Yeah. And we train very differently. Yeah, like you would never do a no. 615 pace. You'd be like, I'm never running again if that's how slow I have to run. Exactly, I will yeah. get super bored. But it's, it's interesting, right? To see different kinds of yeah. training philosophies, to say somehow. And uh, they both work. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Uh, my week was normal, right? I, I haven't doing strength training still. <laughs> I just don't have time. It's like... You do. Because you could do two 15-minute sessions a week and still. Yeah. I have this conversation with patients all the time. They, I don't have time. And I'm like, do you have 15 minutes twice a week? And they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, then you have time. Yeah. It's more. It's more that, yeah. You I, don't prioritize I, I, it. Exactly. I yeah. don't miss my running days. Mm-hmm. Right? But I have two days. I, I, run, I run five times a week, usually. Uh, and those other two days, it's like, one, I coach my kids' soccer team. On Mondays. And on Fridays, it's Friday, so I don't want yeah. to do anything. <laughs> and you should have a day where, because it's interesting, because if you run five days a week and you want to do strength two days, you actually shouldn't do strength on the two days you're not running, because then you don't get a rest day. So it's good, like Friday should be your like yeah. day of I try to rest. do on Mondays when we come back from soccer, but sometimes I'm just tired or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, lately I'm having a lot of work. So yeah, I, I don't prioritize. Yeah. But, and I usually just tell people shorten it up. Like people think they need to get in these 30, 45 minute sessions. And I'm like, just put a timer on and do something for 15 minutes. And that's all you have to do. Okay. And usually it's I'll, beneficial. I'll, I'll, try, I'll start to take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that sometimes I do crazy things. <laughs> Eat hamburgers Eat right before a long run. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes when you have a, a tough week, uh, and I, I didn't want yesterday to, we're recording this on Monday and th- this episode is going to be out like in two weeks. Yes, so true. So just pay, don't pay attention to the dates. Okay. Don't say, oh, he was running last Monday or last Sunday. So yesterday, Sunday, uh, I was supposed to do like uh, an hour and a half long and I didn't want, I didn't feel to like to, I didn't have time because I wanted to go come back early to have dinner with my kids and, and my wife before we all go to bed. So I had like an hour. And I said, what can I do? And I, I'm going to start adding these marathon pace workouts. We've been talking about that. Mm-hmm. We talked that with Malindi Elmore. Uh, so I ran first 5K at 4.15 pace, just like a temper run. Then I did 3K easy 
super easy just to, to recover. And then I did another 5K at 352, like 19 minutes. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah. That's awesome. It, I, I have to say, it was tough. Right now, I don't know how I'm going to support, I'm supposed to do that for 42 kilometers in October. Yeah. But I felt awesome at the end, like accomplished, right? I, I pushed. I wasn't supposed to run a 20-minute, so 19-minute 5K on regular Sunday. But I just felt good. I like release a lot of stress and endorphins and everything. So I saw it like a, for as a mental training and a way to to end the week with a win. Mm -hmm. uh, but and it was Father's Day, so you're like, I'm doing what I want to exactly, today. Exactly, <laughs> I can do whatever I want. No long runs on Father's Day. Yeah, my, my daughter at morning was, "What do you want?" And I I want, and she she gave me three wishes. Yeah. I said, okay, I, I I'll take that. We went hiking and a lot of stuff that I had to convince them all the time to go hiking. So it's Father's Day. You're going to do whatever I want and I can do whatever I want. So I went to work. But I don't know if it was one or two episodes, episodes ago, uh, I talked about my running form. That I, I've been looking at pictures and videos in slow motion about my running form and I don't like it. Right? I don't think my follow through is good enough. I'm not kicking back high enough compared to other runners similar to me or a little faster than mm -hmm. me. I'm not kicking hard enough. So in the five, 5K yesterday, I said, okay, I'm going to try to focus on that. And I start to focus on that and I start to feel way better, way faster. But my hamstrings start to complain a lot. Like, especially on the kicking part, to, mm -hmm. to the, trying to kick my butt. My hamstring was like, dude, I can't do this. So I start to, I didn't slow down, but I changed my, my, my form again. So I think I discovered like a weak spot. We've been talking about a lot about my hamstrings and hamstrings in general, but um, I think one of the main reasons my running for I'm not happy with my running form right now is because my hamstrings are super weak. Mm -hmm. So and and once it's one thing that you say to me all the time: your hamstrings are weak, and that's why you are injured and you are sitting all the time. Uh, but once I experience it, like okay, now I really need to to get into. It. And that's so. probably why your form has changed. Like when you see videos, you're like, this is not how I run. Yeah. It's probably because you've had a little bit of hamstring troubles, much better now, but they've been there since April. Yeah. So you might have subconsciously kind of changed how you're running. Yeah. And I on purpose ran lower, slower during uh, winter and training for Boston. My goal was to get more mileage and I did it. But I think my form, all of those things, my, 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 my injury and that compromise it. And, uh, well, the good thing is that I cut it and now I can work on it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, ideally for Chicago, I have my running form back and a good mileage so I can improve yeah. my marathon times. One of the things I like about the workout you did yesterday, you didn't just go do 5K at marathon pace. Like I have some people come in and they're leading up to their marathon and they'll say, yeah, I did, you know, I did 8K at my marathon pace on Tuesday and it felt really good. And, but that's all they did. Okay. I'm like, well. 8K at your marathon pace. If it doesn't feel good, you're in big trouble because you've got to do 42 kilometers like this. That's true. So I think it's important to do the race pace stuff on tired legs. So you went out and you did a five at this pace and a three at this pace, and then you go to do your five at marathon pace and your legs are tired, and that's kind of mimicking how you're going to feel in October. Yeah, and and I'm going to build into it, right? Mm -hmm. My goal is to do like 28 kilometers in total, like uh, four times 5K at marathon pace, and in between like a one or two kilometer... Yeah. Uh, slow down or yeah water, no. recovery run Re or exactly, yeah so. yeah um uh, just listening to Malindi Elmore's 
advice. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. start doing that. So I said, okay, instead of because my goal at first is like to build up to 28 kilometers, like like a two hour long run, uh, and then start to go faster. It only it only takes me two hours to do a 28 <laughs> easy run. Sure. At the <laughs> at, at the end of the cycle, yeah. right now I can yeah. do 28. Yeah. Um. So okay, I can do it today. I'm gonna feel good, and it was it was super fun. Yeah. And the good thing is I'm not sore or anything because if it if it compromised my VVO2 max to work out from t tomorrow, I will be con mm -hmm. not concerned, but mad at me. Uh, and I think we've talked about that. Like you can go a little faster if you want and sometimes challenge yourself as long as that's, that's I think that's one of the main things I write on my phone to runners. As long as you're recovered for your next workout. Yeah. That's fine. And I think if you step back and you do the math and you're doing more speed, but it's still only 20% of your weekly mileage, then you're okay. Yeah, exactly. Like you want to try to stick-ish to that 80-20 rule still. Yeah, and we talk about like uh, we've been at like 10% of our weekly mileage has been fast. So mm -hmm. if you sprinkle now and then yeah. something extra, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and before we go into, we have a very interesting episode about uh, Masters Runners. But before we go into that, I obviously I edit the podcast so I, I hear myself talking and I, I, I think I sound like a bit like an asshole <laughs> like talking <laughs> talking about like I hate social media I hate social media and during my run the next day I stopped mid, at mid run and wrote a bunch of things about that so I just want to clarify that I, I, I use social media obviously I have my Instagram page and my Facebook page and I share things but the thing is that I, I think lately a lot of pages and influencers in quotes have been posting things that just give people excuses not to train hard enough. If you, I think uh, human beings are lazy by nature, right? And I think it's on, on purpose because when, when we were cavemen, uh, we wanted we needed to conserve energy because we didn't know how, when we were going to eat our next summer. Yeah, they weren't doing two-hour long runs for fun on the weekend. Exactly. <laughs> so when you don't have uh, food, you need to conserve your energy so you get lazy and you, you waste the least amount of energy. And uh, there's, there's like this saying that if you want to know the best and easiest way to solve a problem, give it to the laziest person you know because they're going to find the easiest and fastest way to achieve it, right? So there, there's a good side of being, of being lazy. But this social media post that you need to train slow. It doesn't matter if you miss a workout. It doesn't matter if that, that, that. I just, it just, they just give excuses to, to runners to, to not push enough, to not go out when they are tired, to not mm -hmm. go out when they are not feeling well. And it's true that one workout is not a compromise tremendously your grace, but it's very if you don't miss it, right? Uh, it's okay to feel bad during your long runs, but it's better if you don't. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this advice, it's towards that, giving people excuses to not push enough or not, not train hard enough instead of, and, and we talked about last week, like they don't show the other side of the coin. And that, that's, that's my big issue with that. If they tell you, okay, it's okay to do this, but it's better if you don't, or it's better if you do, I think we will have a more healthy relationship. Mm -hmm with running and with social media. I just wanted to clarify that uh, to give my two cents on that. So it's okay, all of those stupid, I'm gonna keep saying that. You'll listen to this and be like. Maybe I apologize again next. 
<laughs> next episode. Sorry for sounding like an asshole last week. <laughs> Two times in a row. Um, but yeah, I, I know a lot of people are not going to like this, what I'm saying. But I think, uh, I think those posts, though, there's a certain audience that might benefit from them. And then there's a certain audience that won't. And it's too bad that, like, when you do a post, you can't just send it to the people that you need. Like, say if you've got someone who's just running flat out every day, six days a week, refuses to miss a run no matter how crappy they feel, running through illnesses, and they're just, like, burning out. Some of these posts might be good for them to hear. But then for, like, the other person who's really smart about it and they're doing 80-20 and they're gradually, it's like, yeah, I can do that. I can miss that. I can miss that. And it's like, no, actually, you're doing things right. So you should probably try yeah. to fit things in and stick to the plan if you can. Exactly. So it's like, it depends whose ears or that, well, in social media, not ears always, whose yeah, yeah. eyes <laughs> the post is falling on. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of those, those reels, like they are 15 seconds long and the two things you should do. And you start to questioning, oh, should I be doing these mm -hmm. exercises? Uh, do I have a problem with my hips? Because, oh, unlock your hips, no? Unlock yeah. your... And it's like, that, that's a, what, yeah. what I think. <laughs> There's too much out there. It's almost information overload. Yeah. Even as a physio, I follow a lot of other physios who are specialists in their area and they do courses and I get totally overwhelmed sometimes with all the info out there. So I have to, you just have to pick and choose what suits you. And you know a lot of things. So if, if, imagine if you are getting this information overload and you can like filter the, most of them, uh, people that doesn't have your kind of knowledge, it's like, I think it's crazy. And that, that's the part I think yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, okay. So now let's go to the runner of the way. I like this new part. <laughs> Scott Henry. Scott Henry. It's funny because we don't know Scott Henry, but we know who he is. And uh, it's that those kind of people that you follow on Strava or on social media and you feel like, like you know them. But if, yeah. if, I, if we go and say to him, hey, how are you? Who, the, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> right? Uh, but he's crazy fast and he fits into this master's running theme because he's in the 40, 40 age group category. I think he's 42. Okay. I think. But uh, we would ju we just want to share, share with you some times with you for the last year. And it's, it's very interesting because it's from a mile to a marathon, crazy fast times. And uh, it makes me very, really happy <laughs> to see someone that it's fast all across distances. Mm -hmm. So for example, it came into my mind, and he's the athlete of the week, because yesterday, on Saturday, I think, I don't care, on the, or the weekend. <laughs> when this comes out, it'll be two weeks ago. Yeah, so. exactly. So <laughs> recently, uh, he ran a race here in Ottawa called the Cleave Mile that I didn't read because I wasn't here. I would love to have to, to have done that. Uh, but he won in five minutes and seven seconds. I? And it's not in a... It wasn't a gravel track. Mm -hmm. So that, that slows you down That's a few a big difference. seconds for yeah. sure. So, and he won, right? Then you remember when we talked about the Formula Run that we did a, a few weeks ago? I didn't notice that day, but in hindsight, he was part of those, that, that people, that team of two person that came second place. Mm -hmm. So they ran like 28 kilometers in an hour and a half between two people and an average pace crazy fast. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were racing a bunch of other teams who had 
four people per we team. We were four and we came yeah. fourth. Yeah. And they came only one lap behind the first place team that there were four also. And yeah. we were switching one lap at a time. I think they were doing four, five, six, eight laps at a time. Mm -hmm. So that's impressive. Then at the Ottawa 5K in May, he came 18th overall and first in his age group at 17.07. And that's not even his fastest 5K. I, I couldn't find it, but I know it's not. Then during winter, I think the Richmond Road Race, it's in January? It's in January. It's probably Ottawa's hardest race. It's always cold and snowy and the footing sucks. I remember that day it was super snowy. Yeah. I didn't run it, but I was at the, my, my daughter had a basketball practice at the, that same high school later that day. So it was pretty shitty. <laughs> well, he ran 36 minutes and 58 seconds with inches of snow. Terribly cold, mm -hmm. and he came three minutes faster than the second place. He was first place overall. The second place was Mike, Mike. Who, who's very fast as well. Goes over yeah. our friend Mike. Three Speaking minutes. of fast masters runners, yes. he's fifty-two. Something. Two, I think. Fifty-two, and, and still running like two forty marathons, two fifty marathons. Yeah, yeah. And then last year he did a Cornwall marathon, or the St. Lawrence marathon, the one you did this yeah. year, and he came fourth place overall at two hours, 44 minutes, and 44 seconds. So in the past 18 months, he won tons of races, and he ran fast from a mile to a marathon, and I think that's impressive, and I think it should motivate any runner under 40. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, they can keep getting quicker. That they can keep getting quicker. So I don't know if he listens to the podcast. He's from Ottawa. We should get him on the podcast. I want to be like, how did you do all this without getting injured? Because I would, I would get injured doing all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That will be very interesting. Next time, if I see it and I race soon. Yeah. Hey, hi, how are you? You just passed me and beat me, but uh, will you come on my podcast? Yeah, exactly. We, <laughs> we want to learn from you. Yeah. Next time, I promise that if I see you next time in a race, I will we'll approach him. him. Okay. It's going to be super hard for me because I hate doing those things. But <laughs> I'll do it for the podcast for sure. <laughs> okay, so now let's go into the key focus areas for master runners to keep improving. Um. And I think it's a key word here. We're going to talk about first to keep improving because I think we think and research show and, and our experience and the people we hang out, like you can keep improving up to your 40s, up to your 50s, mm -hmm. late into your 60s, late into your 50s, I think you can keep getting PRs, right? Uh, and then we're going to talk about when you can't. Yeah. <laughs> that it's a reality, a sad reality, but it's a reality that there's going to be a point that you can't keep improving and improving and improving, but there's a turner or a, mm -hmm. a, another way to see. So you want to say the first one, the first key thing runners, master runners can keep doing? Yeah, in incorporating fresh, innovative training methods to provide a new stimulus. So not just doing the same thing, build after build after build. Yeah, it's going to be hard when when you are your body starts to change to keep doing the same things and to keep improving. Mm -hmm. So... Um, what are one of the things you think they can do? I, I can't imagine what I you're going to say. No one knows what I'm going to say. No. Foam rolling. No. <laughs> <laughs> and stretching. <laughs> Strength training. Strength training. Yeah, hands down. Like that. We we tell people you can improve your performance by up to 5% with proper strength training. That applies more to the master's runner than the 20-year-old runner. So as we get older, we develop sarcopenia, which is 
loss of muscle mass. I, I read that you can lose 1% of muscle mass each year after age 40, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I saw once uh, like an MRI from a guy with sarcopenia and a person without sarcopenia, both 60 something years old. And it's crazy because you can look at the person from the outside and you say they are healthy, they are lean, they are strong, right? But if you see their their muscles, most of them, if they don't strength train, are fat. Mm -hmm. And it's it's amazing and it's crazy. There's one, and I don't know if it's the same one you saw. It was two people in their 60s, 70s. One was a triathlete and one was not. And the the triathlete who did some strength training had some really solid muscle mass. Yeah. And the person who was sedentary didn't. But both, both of them were thin, let's mm -hmm. say. Yeah. So, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter if you look thin, you're not fat. Because it, the point here is that it's not that you, well, you accumulate more fat as you grow. It's, it's harder to, yeah. <laughs> to <Yeah>. stay lean. <laughs> but like inside your muscles, that muscle starts to become fat. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something you, you're not aware. You can't see, but it's there. And it's something you need to to address as you get older. And strength training is the number yeah. one way to keep that muscle mass. Yeah, that muscle mass, one person per year, like it doesn't have to happen like that. And if you're listening to this and you're 65 or 70 and you think, oh, my God, I've lost a lot of muscle since I was 40, if you haven't strength trained, it's never too late to turn that around. So I think especially anybody over the age of 50, then probably one of the top things you could do is add strength training to your routine but like proper low reps high weight slow controlled movements just twice a week yeah yeah and if you've been doing strength training you can do something else mm -hmm. right maybe heavier maybe longer maybe more times a week so the 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 the, the, the thought here is to Find new methods that provide new stimulus to your body because you need new and different stimulus as you age. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know, we could, we could talk about this for hours of giving people idea, but we just want you to, to give you, to leave you with this thought mm -hmm. that as you age, try to find new ways to, to keep improving and you can keep improving. And it can be running related. Like if you've never run more than, you know, you, you do half marathons, say you don't do marathons and you've never done more than 21K in your training and build up for a half. Maybe if you do 24K as your longest run, that'll be your window of improvement. Exactly. Or you've never done lactate threshold sessions, like 30, 30 workouts, 30 seconds on, 30 off or tempo runs or like there's, you know, workout marathon, half marathon pace in your long run. There's all these things you can do to like reconfigure your weekly mileage. Um, and maybe sometimes it's like, do you do 60% of your weekly mileage speed at like, fast paces? So in that case, like we might actually be able to make that person faster by slowing them down. And running more. On those days, running more and then watch their speed days get faster. Yeah. 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 And very related to that one, incorporating fresh and innovative training methods to provide new stimulus is the second one, like developing strategies to adapt. And I think this one is really hard because as we age, it's harder to affect, right? Mm -hmm. we, we know what we like. We know what has, what has been working. But to adapt and advance training as age-related changes occur or when progress plateaus. Mm -hmm. One of the main things I've seen with masters runners that are successful runners, it's like they are more active than before. Maybe they are not running, um, having these big long runs or running as fast, but they run every day. 
or they do a lot of cross training. And I think that's a really important one when, mm -hmm. when you start doing maybe, yeah, running is, has a lot of impact in our joints and muscles, but cycling, swimming, just hiking, strength training, uh, even playing other sports, I don't know, basketball or squash or whatever, mm -hmm. just staying more active. It's going to make a huge difference. And every time I read, I'm obsessed with it, right? I think since I'm 10, I'm obsessed with age and I don't want to get older. I'm starting to realize that it does, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, I remember somebody that 40 years old was like really old. Yeah. And now, no, it's young. No, you're 41 <laughs> and it's like, this is, this is young. This is, yeah. One of the people I used to work with at the hospital back home, he was a physio assistant and he was almost 10 years older than me, I think. And when he turned 40, how do you feel? Like, what do you think? <laughs> and I used to, you know, does it freak you out? Are you okay? Because I think I was like 20 something at the time. And uh, his response was, I don't mind getting older. Age is a privilege denied many. Okay. And that okay. like set yeah, yeah. in every time I have a birthday where I think, oh, I'm 36, I'm 35. It, it's true. Age is a privilege denied many. So like just look at age as just a number and try to improve things and be appreciative for how far you've gotten. But then look at like, what can you do to improve? Because even somebody in their 70s and 80s, like look at Reg. Yep. 96. She she went from ninety five to ninety six and got faster. Yeah, that's great. And it was simple. There was and just a few simple things we added. And it wasn't in. a few sec a few seconds faster. It yeah. was like five minutes faster yeah. or something like that. And for her, it was just a little bit of race pace work, a little bit more volume in her training, and a little bit of gentle strength training. Yeah. It wasn't anything crazy. She's the perfect example. Yeah. And I think uh, I was thinking about the podcast during the weekend, and over the years. Each has become, I don't know how to say it, but like 60, four years ago, a 60-year-old person looked really old. And right now, a 60-year-old person doesn't look at old, right? And Is it because we're older? Maybe. No, <laughs> no. I haven't, no. Because a few, a few weeks ago, my mom sent me some pictures of her wedding. And there was my mom with my grandparents. And they looked old even today that i'm 41 mm -hmm. they look as old as when i was a kid and they were 57 okay and they look today if, if i if i look at that picture i will say today they're 80 and because and we have friends 60 60 right mm -hmm. almost 70 and uh i don't know like i think i don't know if it's medicine if, if it's uh our lifestyles these days but people are, are getting older, in quotes, later. Mm -hmm. They're aging more gracefully. Thank you yeah. for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and maybe in 10, 20 years, when we are 60, it's going to be like, oh, we, we, look, we look 50. <laughs> <laughs> Not without some major surgery. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think the main, do you, do you, can you think of another way of developing new strategies when master runners start to plateau on, or, or, or what, when you start to get those niggles or age related? I think what you said about the cross training, like as we get older, if you have someone who runs six days a week and that's what they've always done and now they're 58, 59 and they keep getting injured, there's someone that should look at maybe running five days a week and supplementing with, or maybe four days a week and supplementing with one or two cross training days that's specific to running. Um, they can kind of get their volume up, keep their fitness level there, but it allows their joints and their tendons some recovery time in between. Yep. I think that's an important one. Perfect. Um, let's go to the third one. It, you want to read it? 
making informed, sensible training decisions that cater to the current condition rather than relying on past training patterns. I think this one is really important because what worked for you in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, it's not necessarily going to work when you're 50, Mm -hmm. 60 or 70. I think you can get away with a lot when you're in your 20s and early 30s too because maybe you're not doing 80-20, but why would you? Because you've never been injured and you're running well. But then you turn... 45 and all of a sudden you're getting all these injuries and you realize maybe three speed sessions a week on 50k of a weekly mileage is not okay yeah um so you just start to and again strength training you're 50 and it's like well why would i strength train now i've never done that before it's like we got away with it before exactly now sarcopenia has set in yeah and you need to do something to address it yeah and uh have you seen or do you see like um more people, master runners, being injured than younger ones in your practice? It, it difficult to say. I definitely see more masters runners than I see young people. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's because masters runners are a little bit more cautious, like, and quicker to come in because okay. they've had experiences with injuries at this point and they know what happens when they get injured and they ignore them. So they've they've got the wisdom on their side to come in sooner. Because a lot of the younger runners will come in and it's not like they got injured last week. It might be months and months ago and they're like, it just yeah, that's true. It just won't settle. But we're organizing this strength testing day for runners in the, in the gym and the coordinator said like, so are we expecting a lot of 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds? And I was like, actually, the average age will probably be 50. Like most of the people that come in for these events are between 40, 60 and, and older. And I think running just attracts masters. Like if you look at soccer the number of people who play soccer beyond 50 versus the number of people who run beyond 50. I think running is just more appealing because it's individual. There's no contact. You can stop when you want. You can adjust things on your own. Um, but definitely, I think, I'd like to think that Masters runners just have figured out how to deal with injuries and usually it involves seeking help sooner okay. than ignoring it. Yeah. But it, okay. It didn't answer. Yeah. It <laughs> answered my question. question. No, it answered my question, but it wasn't the answer I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to ask this again. <laughs> no, no. I think my point is that if you are a master runner and you are getting injured more than before, that's when you need to mm-hmm. pay yeah. attention. And, and our tendons do have trouble being springy and strong as we get older. So definitely tendinopathies happen more in master's athletes. Yep. For sure. Uh, and that... I think we, we, we wrote this episode just one of the next the next uh, tip uh, builds in, onto the previous ones, mm-hmm. right? So uh, if you have uh, having very, a lot of injuries and you've re- been relying on past training things that you've got away, uh, strength training, mm-hmm. right? Um, have you read, I haven't read anything about it, about biometrics for master runners? That would be very interesting. Yeah, plyometrics are fantastic for master's runners. They just have to be introduced really gradually. So plyometrics is is like jumping and hopping. If if you don't have the tendon strength first and then you try to do a plyometric routine, you're probably going to get injured. Okay. So you before you did something like vertical hops or pogo jumps, you would want to make sure someone had really good calf strength because plyometrics is a power move yep. and power is strength plus speed. So if you don't have the strength... And you're just trying to layer it in, you're you're gonna get hurt. So okay. they're excellent, but they have to be cautiously. Yeah, added. I thought of that when you said like that our tendons are are not as strong, stuff mm-hmm. like that. One of a great ways to do plyometrics. Yeah. Um and you can start mm-hmm. easy 
Mm -hmm. Right, as always, but that, that's another way to improve us. Yeah. I, I don't see a lot of runners doing plyometrics. No, and they, and they should. And like masters runners, we spend a lot more time on the ground when we run as we get older. Yep. So our ground contact time becomes longer, which is not a good thing because the more time you're on the ground, the slower you're going to run. Plyometrics is all about teaching you quick, fast ground contact time. So it can help with that as well. I remember a few years ago reading about uh, an Olympic athlete. I, I can never remember her name. But she was a 1,500-meter Olympica. And uh, she, she, she kept getting injured and getting injured and getting injured. So she changed one of her speed sessions to jump roping. Mm. Dro rope jumping. I struggle with those words a lot. <laughs> because it's a jump rope. Rope jump. Okay. I'd say, I, let's just say skipping. She started skipping. <laughs> with a rope. With a rope. <laughs> <laughs> no, she changed one of her speed sessions with that. And she got faster and qualified again for the Olympics oh, because wow. she detected that those speed sessions were the, or she thought detected, the, were the ones that were getting her injured. So she changed to that, mm -hmm. and it's all. I started to do, obviously, I, I'm kind of I'm one of those guys that I read something that makes sense in my mind. Yeah, I'm gonna do Mo it. Most of social media doesn't make sense in my mind, <laughs> um, but yeah, I started doing it. I got a. Rope, jump. Jump rope. Jump rope. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I struggled with that and box, jump box, a box jump. Box jump. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're jumping on the box, but yeah. it's a box jump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I got one and um, I don't know if it helped, but I felt awesome and I felt like I was mm -hmm. doing something really smart. <laughs> yeah. And it helped with my coordination because at the beginning I was terrible at doing that and I started getting better and better and better and better. And if you watch the Rocky movies when you were a kid, as I do, as I did, uh, he did it all the time. And he got better and double drop, jump ropes and that kind of stuff. So that's really fun. Yeah. So, but yeah, plyometrics are, are really good. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, the last one, is that there's tons of different things you can do to improve your running other than running and strength training. Mm -hmm. What are those? And we've talked about a lot of these in the earlier podcasts. So nutrition, hydration attention to small de details like sleep, recovery strategies, all of these little things. I think, again, you can get away with crappy diet and poor nutrition and hydrating and not sleeping well in your 20s. But if you're becoming trying to become a good strong runner in your 50s and 60s, those things become a lot more important. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I've heard people that, no, when I was 20, I ran my fastest 5K drum. Yeah, I get it. And I made, and I envy you somehow. <laughs> right? But, uh, or hangover or with two hours sleep. Yeah, yeah, in your 20s, you can get away with that. As yeah. you get older, you can't. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean you can't get faster. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the whole concept of this, of this episode to, to tell you, you can't get faster. You can get PRs at 50 or 60, mm -hmm. at 96, like Reg, but you just need to take into consideration all of these things. Yeah. Instead of just, oh, I've been doing this for, and I think, and it's hard because as I, I mentioned it before, as you get older, you, you have your own ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. And if, the, if it has been working for 50 years or 20 years, why would I need to change? And it's not because we say so, or because we want to create a podcast episode. It's because physiologically your body changes. Yeah. So you need to adapt to that. Yeah. And I think. So we were talking about there's a second part of our podcast where we were going to discuss when you when you can't, yep. like when you can't improve. So 
I think with Reg. Sad, sad, because sadly, there's going to be a point. Yeah. When I'm 110 years old. <laughs> when you can't run 254 anymore. Exactly. Uh, um, but I think that age is very variable, right? So if Reg was super into running when she was in her 20s and 30s, and she did all the little things right, and she was really invested and ran a lot, Probably not going to get a PR out of her at 96, but yeah. she's new to running in her 90s, right? Just like Melinda Elmore. No matter what she does, when she's 55, I doubt she's going to be able to run faster than what she's currently doing right now, right? So it, it kind of depends. So I get annoyed sometimes when runners come in and they're 50 and they're like, well, I'm probably over the, my PR days because, you know, I'm old. And then I'm like, well, when did you start running and what, what's your habits and what do you do and do you strength train? And it's like of all the boxes they could check off, they've got like two. Okay. And there's just so much missing. And it's like, no, you could totally improve. Um, but someone who's like maximizing their potential at a university running varsity, they might not get better in their 50s. But someone who's new to running or someone who just hasn't crossed off all the boxes could certainly get better. So what we wanted to talk about now is like, okay, so you're... Your PR days are behind you. Age, but you try age the, is irrelevant. You tried right? before all of those, all of these yes. things, right? It's not just in your mind. And another thing yeah. is that sometimes I think we compare ourselves, talking about that, with elite runners. And elite runners destroyed, in quotes, their bodies in their 20s, 30s, mid 40s. So when they are 50, it's like, I can't run faster. But as if we start later and we didn't run in our 20s or, or 30s, uh, you still have a lot of mileage in your body. That's mm -hmm. what I want to say. Yeah, like you're 41 and I know over the coming years you're going to get faster because I know yeah, what you've done okay. and I know you're invested and I know you're into trying new things and you're not going to just do the same thing year after year. But there are some people who they're like, okay, I'm... Or maybe they just... And some people just don't want to focus on time. Like they're just kind of like, I just want to enjoy running. Or they used to focus on time. I don't think they time. listen to this. No, I'm joking. They're, if they they stopped listening long ago, if they or right now, they just, oh, <laughs> they're done. Yeah, oh, but I think it's important to sometimes. I know our podcast name is Chasing Pierre's, but sometimes it's important not to only focus on chasing Pierre's because there's other things to running as well. Yeah. Um. So doing things like coming up with a new distance to race, like you've done for years and years, you've been progressing, and now you've plateaued, and you've done all the little things, and you still plateaued. But then you used to think, okay, I'm going to train for a 50K ultra. Yep. Or I'm going to start getting in trail running. Or I'm going to do one of these mud runs, obstacle runs. Like, there's so much out there that you could try that would be new. Yeah, and and then you're going to get a PR because you've never done it before. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. And then you do it again and again and you see some improvement. Then. And to keep that motivation, right? Because mm -hmm. you and I are very motivated by our times. And a lot of runners are motivated by, by their times. But uh, when you can't, a new goal different goal, it's, mm -hmm. it's going to help you tremendously. And if you're still, like, you're kind of focused on your time, but you know you're not going to be able to run what you once did, you could look at, like, age group. Like, yeah. Can, yeah. I, can I win my age group? Can I come top 10 in my age group? There's a reason age groups exist. It's because six-year-olds shouldn't be racing 20-year-olds. Like, we, we divvy it out, so then you kind of look at, like, what can I do here? Have you reached a window where maybe you could qualify for one of the world majors because... We joke with Boston, it's like, you either need to get faster or you need to get older in yeah. order to qualify. <laughs> like, I, we've got a friend whose qualifying window is going to jump by 15 minutes. And he's like, I might actually be able to go to Boston. And it's like, yeah, train for that. 
it, I think there's things you can do as you get older to make running still enjoyable, even if you're getting slower. Yeah, I think the, the, you, you've mentioned it, but I think in, inside of a lot of things, <laughs> but mm -hmm. two things you can focus are age group placing, because you are racing against your age group. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess that if I'm 70 year old, seven, seven years old, 70 years old, and I can't, I don't, I can't have a new PR. My main goal will be top three in my mm -hmm. age. And if you, if you take like a hundred people in your age group and you maximize your potential with strength training, you're, you're going to beat a lot of them because guaranteed a lot of them a lot are of them. not doing yeah. that. And the other thing is that we get, we don't get faster as we get older, but we can run longer. I see a lot of mm -hmm. masters runners in their 50s, 60s, 70s running 100 mile races. Yeah. 150 mile races. I was going to mention uh, Reed Coolsat and Des Linden. Okay. So Reed Coolsat is a, a professional runner, Canadian. He's He was a marathoner, very, very like high level runner. And now he's trail running. So he switched gears. He's not trying to make the Olympic team for the marathon. He's trail running. Des Linden, who's still really fast. She just ran Boston 228 in. or something like that in Boston. Yeah. But she, during the pandemic, got the world record for the 50K. So it's like, she's, she's almost 40. She's probably not going to be able to get the world record for the marathon, but she switched gears and got the world record for the 50K, which is, that's fun. Like she just kind of mixed it up and did something different. And I think as we get older, that sort of thing is important too. Yeah. There's this runner here in Ottawa. His name is called Real Periard. Uh, I know him because he, he do talks about ultra running. I don't know if he's already 70, but he, he's not 70. He's really close to being 70. And he's training for a 120-mile race. And it's awesome speaking with him. He's cool. full of energy. And he's one of those say, guys that says, okay, I can't get faster. I'm going to go. I'm going to go longer. And a lot of people look after him. Uh, and it's really cool. For example, the other, or the weekend, I, I just opened his Instagram account. In two days, he ran 70 kilometers with 2,000 meters of elevation just to train oh, yeah. for that race. See, that's the other thing. As you get older, you get retired. You, you have <laughs> so tons you, of time. Your kids are grown up. If you had kids, now all of a sudden, like, instead of working, you can just run. Yeah. And I should say, I realized just then, if there's any trail runners listening to this, and I'm like, Oh, when you when you can't get faster as a runner, just switch to trail running. I fully realize there's lots of 20, 30, 40 year olds who are phenomenal trail runners. And maybe their thing when they're not PRing anymore will be to switch to a marathon. It's more it's not that trail running is easier as you get older. It's just something different if you've been road racing. Yeah, exactly. We, we focus on road yeah. racing a lot. So that that's it's what just a new stimulus. It. It's just something different. I can see trail runners listening to this going. Yeah, like when you annoying. when you talk about bad about a five K and five runners, what five Ks are awesome and they're harder than a yeah. marathon. So that, no, it's not that trail. Yeah. Trail running is really hard. I don't like it because I can't control my heart rate. Mm -hmm. It's all over the place all the time and I feel exhausted from kilometer one. And and you're very numbers driven. Yeah. So if your pace is like way slower than it is normally and every kilometer is totally different because it's been hilly or it's you're descending, it might drive you nuts. It totally drives yeah. me nuts. I did a 40K run on Montremblant like four years ago and it was exhausting. Yeah. And it, it's, it's really painful when people start to go and go and go and go and go and I can't keep with these guys in this uphill. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but yeah, for sure, it's a, a whole different world. I and mean, the more you, if you see the best trail runners in the world, I think they're most of them over 40. Mm -hmm. There's Killian Jornet, that he's like a super, superhuman. Human. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, trail running is full of master runners. And I think it's a very close community, not close community, mm -hmm. but a needed community. Mm -hmm. Close in the sense of they're together, not they don't like other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's a lot of master runners. Mm -hmm. So there, there, there can be a way that you can find your new tribe yeah. in trail running, master running. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully this episode helped you. Uh, I know we had a lot of fun researching for it and preparing for it uh, because it's something we look forward to keep improving <laughs> yeah. in the next 10, 15 years. Yeah, I, I hope I can still run fast and try to beat my PRs at 55 something. Mm -hmm. After that, maybe I will change. We'll up your strength training game and you'll get it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's good. I have a very, really good friend that can help me with that. <laughs> and um, yeah, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Chasing PRs. If you have any questions, suggestions, because this episode we had it in our mind and thanks to our friend Tracy. It was, mm -hmm. oh, Tracy, talk about that. Let, let's do it. So thank you, Tracy. And if you have any other suggestions, Please let us know and yeah. have an awesome week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you love it, give it a share. Please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And visit chasingprs.run for all the latest episodes, get our free newsletter and all the cool running stuff we have there. Thanks for joining.